Did you ever wonder how some of the greatest people today become who they are? Most everyone has experienced that turning point in their life. It's these moments that forever changed who they were into whom they've become. Today on The Moment with Chris Epting, you'll hear from these people and hopefully be inspired to find your own life-changing moment. Now, here is your host, Chris Epting. Hey there, welcome, and thank you for joining me on The Moment today. Uh, really special guest to talk, about, to talk about some moments in his life. Uh, Jordan Rudis has done a lot of things in his musical and artistic career, probably best known as the keyboard wizard uh, in the prog metal powerhouse band Dream Theater. Uh, and it's been a while since Jordan uh, joined Dream Theater. But beyond that, Jordan has always been one, whether it's developing new technology, whether it's developing his own solo musical career. Uh, Jordan, it really, it's like there's 10 Jordans running around the planet doing all these things. That's what it feels like. <laughs> Jordan, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. I'm trying to keep track of all these different Jordans that are running around this house. It's crazy. Well, we, well what's cool is that they're all doing cool stuff, though. And and when you look at your output and, and again, just how committed you are, not just to making music, but to helping others make music, it's, it's, it's a really impressive you know, body of work that isn't just your own because of how much you inspire in other people. And I have to tell you, Jordan, just to start, you know, with, um, with all the virus stuff, one of the, I guess, one of the positives, if, if such a thing is possible, has been this sort of online connection that a lot of musicians have made. And we've seen some just, we've seen some great performances and things. You were at the very forefront, though. Before it became like a thing, you would go on every single day and, and conduct a performance, uh, you know, with some interactions. How, how many days in a row did you do that? <laughs> well, um, it was funny because, you know, I was in this pattern of just doing this and enjoying it and going for it. And one day I asked a couple of my um, supporters, I said, how many days has this been? And somebody said, oh, it's going to be 60 in like two <laughs> days. So I was like, oh my God, because the, you know, when we reached close to 60 mark i was also feeling like you know what i love doing this this is so cool but maybe i should think about how to gracefully kind of like change my path and do something a little bit different but i think it brought it brought so much joy i mean again people that are used to you shredding on your keyboard you know whether it's the you know the, just the variety of synthesizers and things you play right down to the grand pianos people you know they like how you interpret the keyboard and so every day you were doing something different that was you know spanned a whole range of emotions and like i said it, it be, definitely became a thing for a lot of artists but you were one of the first people doing it and 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 every single day you were doing something different. So I yeah, think yeah. that's just, uh, I know a lot of people appreciated that. And hopefully as an artist, it helped you as well. You weren't just providing pleasure for people, but hopefully your your growth path is sort of enhanced by that kind of discipline as well, especially given what we're all going through. Yeah. You guys would have been on the road a lot now, as, you know, dream theater that is. Right, and right. it's a change of lifestyle. I don't think people, you and I were talking yesterday a little bit before this interview, just about, um, you know, musicians, traveling musicians bands that you know really rely on being on the road it's it's a real you know shock to the system this change oh, oh in environment God. yeah it's crazy and you know um i want to say something about the facebook lives that i was doing and you know one of the the two things about that that are interesting one is that i was doing like social media and discovering all these different platforms I think pretty much before anybody else oh, knew yeah. that they were even there. So, and I was always passionate about it. I was doing like these systems where you could have multiple people on video and, mm -hmm. you know, all these extensive reach outs. But one of the, one of the, reasons that it was so enjoyable and so important for me to do that was not only because we you know we've been all going through this crisis but all but also because I'm an improviser and so every day for the first probably 40 of them all I did was just put the phone down on my piano and improvise the whole time I didn't play anybody else's tunes if I did I threw one in here or there but I was just making this stuff up and the reason I was doing that is because I felt that there was a lot of a lot to express about what we're all going through, about what, what I've been going through. And I wanted to put it out there in music. And I wanted to give people something that they could feel at the moment that would hopefully be important to them at these moments. You know, that's that to me is the major, that's the, the greatest thing about my musical life is that I can... <clears throat> that I can express the moment, that I can, you know, just do it and not have to just play a song, you know, which playing songs is cool. But for this particular situation, that was the magic for me. 
to be able to do that. And, and there was a lot of wonderful, beautiful response. And people really do and did appreciate that. Well, it was comfort. I think it provided comfort. I, I really think one of the big stories of this whole period we're going through is how artists, the, the importance of art and how so many artists have done just what you've done, which is provide comfort. I mean, just give people um, music and give them stuff to help them get through this. And it just reminds, you know, for the millionth time, just how important music is to so many of us on a daily basis in all of our lives. And and that's what you were doing. You were, you were feeding that instinct and reminding people, I think, of just how important all of it is. You know, Jordan, before, right before all this started, you, you, you guys were on the road and you had kind of a special experience. I think one of the last concert experiences anybody had uh, with the band Deep Purple, right? Right, exactly. What happened? <laughs> it was really crazy. I was on the road with Dream Theater. We were doing our European tour. And, you know, the whole virus thing, we were starting to read about it. And it was heating up a little bit. And I was actually starting to get a little bit nervous about being out there <laughs> on the road. I had like a week or two more to go. And I started to like stop in at pharmacies and kind of ask if they had any masks and stuff. And every pharmacy I would walk into, they would say, oh, sorry, but some Asian people were just in here and they bought up all the masks. And then I go to the next one and like find out the same thing. I'm going, wow, <laughs> there's some weird stuff going on. So, um, you know, as it was heating up, I also got the news that, um, the Deep Purple Camp wanted me to do a show with them uh, in Mexico, a big festival show. Um, so, you know, I had to decide if I wanted to do that. And it was kind mm -hmm. of mind blowing. Like all of a sudden I'm being asked to play with Deep Purple. Of course, I grew up, you know, listening to Deep Purple, but I never thought I would actually play with them. Um, although I was there the day that Roger Glover and the manager, I think, walked into a club and I was playing with the Dixie Dregs and they were there to talk to Steve Morris about joining the band. So I was literally doing a dregs gig the night those guys walked in. Wow. Wow. So that's, that's kind of a trippy uh, connection because Steve and I played in the dregs and of course. You know, we years later playing in Deep Purple together. So anyway, so I said yes. And it began this whole whirlwind of just like kind of getting ready for this show, which was going to be happening like in two weeks. Uh, basically, I was going to get home. I was going to go right into the studio and learn an entire, you know, <laughs> sets worth of deep purple music. And, and that's what I did. So I didn't have any time to like, like put my bags down and relax and like chill. I went, I, I put them down and I went directly to the studio. I started to prepare, ended up doing the whole show with this very, very cool uh, IK Multimedia software that is like, you know, really state of the art runs and, you know, just plays an incredible like Hammond sound. Mm -hmm. Did the whole, all, all the sounds on that, prepared for the show, flew down to Mexico. This is the show was on March 13th. So wow. things were just starting, like doors were shutting. Yeah, right, you know? right. I didn't know what I was getting into. So in addition to the excitement of going to play with Deep Purple, I was, I was also thinking, oh, my God. Like, I Am gotta, I going to get out of here? <laughs> yeah, my, I'm going to go to Mexico. What's it going to be like going back? And then when I'm in Mexico, I start hearing about how they're closing the border to Europe and not letting people back in. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to get back. From the, I'm not going to be able to get back into my country. Anyway, what ended up happening was I had a blast. It was a great show. Uh, it was so much fun. It was a total whirlwind. There was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of kind of like nervous energy around it. But my excitement and the joy of making music with these guys really took the forefront and took over. And I th and I did make it home, and they and I managed to get home before they really did close the border, uh, not only to Europe but they closed it to South America for a while as well. I think a few days after I got home, and I think that the show I did with Deep Purple was probably the the uh, the last big rock show before this whole thing shut down until who the hell knows when. And what was it like? I mean, what, what prompted it? You obviously know, Steve, what, 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 you know, they just wanted you to play this kind of one-off. What was behind the thinking? Yeah. Well, um, Don Airy was going through some, you know, medical stuff as far as I understand. And, uh, and he couldn't do it, but they had this big festival. It was a huge festival. It was like for 40,000 people. Mm -hmm. So they really wanted to do the show. It was important to them to make it happen. So they needed somebody to come in and to be able to pull this off. And, uh, you know, and I think Steve, uh, you know, said, hey, I know somebody yeah. who can do this. <laughs> so, yeah, so I could do it. I did it. It was crazy.
That had to be great. It was great. It was great playing all the classic old songs. And it was a total rush. And I actually brought down my very uh, longtime friend and faithful tech, Keith Wexler, who's in Oregon. You know, we, of course, Deep Purple is mostly like Hammond sound. So Keith, uh, you know, used to work for uh, Keith Emerson and Eddie Jobson. And so he and I, you know, kind of like together, he really helped me pull this off. It was it was a minor musical miracle, shall we say. <laughs> and then and then we go into the whole lockdown thing and you don't even it's it's not just facebook you're using you don't, you don't even stop there you begin exploring sort of a host of uh, you know i was wondering what a lot of artists did to pass the time some were making new music you were actually employing a variety of social media platforms to create outreach right absolutely you know i'm so interested as i said i've been so interested in this i'm you know finding out about ways to engage the fans for me, it's really fun. I love, you know, I just love being able to play and share. There's a basic thing going on there. And not every musician is like that. For me, it's right. always been very natural. I just enjoy it. It's great. Um, so, you know, what systems are the ones where, you know, music can come through clearly? What are the ones that, that are just, you know, user-friendly, that are enjoyable to use. So I started to do some research, started to think about what do I want to do, you know, now that there's going to be a whole lot of time at home, we don't know when the next touring is going to happen. How can I kind of up my game, up my engagement and up my enjoyment uh -huh. uh, using social media? So, you know, over the past uh, two or three months, I've really been researching it and starting to put plans together and have gotten some things off the ground. Um, been having a lot of fun with uh, the cameo system for one uh, that's where people can contact you personally and you sort of craft a message if somebody has a birthday or an acknowledgement you do something personal for them right absolutely it's a beautiful system i didn't real i mean i had some friends who were doing cameo and i didn't really respond to it until recently when i checked it out a little further it's a it's a very developed uh, well organized, the, the software is awesome, makes it really easy for the artist, makes it very clear for the fans. If somebody wants to get a shout out, if you got, you know, your wife's birthday and you met at a Dream Theater concert and you want me to play a little bit of a Dream Theater song, you know, it's so <laughs> wow. easy and it's so much fun for me and I love that connection. And so that's what I, you know, one of the things I've been doing. Every day I get a couple of these cameos and I'm just saying hello to people, playing a little music for them and uh, I think spreading a little bit of joy and a little bit of music. So that, that's that's been so nice. It's sim that's, you know, that's one of the more kind of like, I guess, simple things that I've put together. I also discovered a, um, a wonderful company, very, it's a startup company, but they're doing some very cutting edge stuff uh, that they're, they're planning. And right now what I'm able to do with, with them, they're called Eligo Live, which is E-L-I-G-O dot live. And um, what we're doing with them is I'm able to uh, sign beautiful uh, photos so I can personalize photos. Let's uh -huh. say you want a picture of me and you say, Jordan, please sign it and make it out to Chris and whatever. I can do that so easily through that system. You can also send me a photo. So if there's a fan out there that's got a picture of us backstage somewhere or outside the venue, you can go on there and, and send the picture and I can sign it. Um, and that's, you know, and that's just a really, really nice thing because people, you know, they, these are services they want and to be able to do hey, it. Jordan, can you imagine when you were younger, you know, if, if such a thing existed for like Gentle Giant or Yes or ELP, like back in the day, what that would have been like to be able. Now, on the one hand, back then, there was this kind of mystique where we didn't know what the legends were up to. But can you even imagine if you had access the way people say have access to you to and other musicians? It's just a very different world. It is so different. And it's so hard for many artists who grew up in that other world to understand it because they feel like, oh, you know, I'm supposed to be on this mountaintop and people right. are not really supposed to get close and I can maybe shout from the mountain every now and then. But everything is completely shifted and it's not like that at all. The fans not only want to get close to you, but it's really important that they do because that's how the business is basically done right now. They expect that. That's exactly, you know, it's an expectation. It's, it's a business thing, but it's also you know, it's, it can be so enjoyable. It can be so much fun. You can really find out what the fans really want. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're right there with them. It's very cool. 
Jordan, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back on this same subject, there's something new you're about to launch, a brand new campaign we're going to get into. I'm speaking with Jordan Rudis, of course, from Dream Theater. I'm Chris Epting. This is The Moment, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Chris Epting will be releasing the third edition of his best-selling baseball travel Bible, Roadside Baseball, in June 2019. Academy Award-nominated director Ken Burns said about Roadside Baseball, What a wonderful book. All the stations of the cross of our national pastime are here, big and small, telling and frivolous. I can imagine this book in the glove compartment of every true fan's car. A handy reference to this beloved game, no matter where in the country you are. The new edition features hundreds of new places to discover, more rare photos, stories, and trivia. It's everything you need to plan the baseball road trip of your dreams. Roadside Baseball, coming this June. Available for pre-order right now on Amazon.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are listening to The Moment with Chris Epting. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to Chris at ChrisEpting.com. That's Chris at ChrisEpting.com. Now, back to The Moment. Hey, thank you. I'm Chris Epting, and I'm joined today by the one and only Jordan Rudis, keyboard wizard extraordinaire from Dream Theater and a million other things. Jordan, we've been talking about um, how you've stayed busy through a lot of the quarantine stuff and all the social media things you've been doing, but you're, you've also developed, you know, we, we were talking a minute ago about how artists today, a lot of artists realize that making a connection with fans beyond just the stage and beyond just the albums and things, there's a lot of opportunities and you're about to embark on something brand new. Why don't you talk a little bit about your next um, sort of outreach adventure that you're about to launch? Absolutely. So as I said, you know, I'm doing these, these social media things and the ones that I mentioned, the cameo and Elgo are wonderful, but the larger picture is I've been really looking for a way to engage the fans and get their support and kind of, um, wrap them around my world, really bring them in. Uh, and I, in my research, I discovered that I feel the best way to do that is through this company called Patreon. Uh, some people have heard of Patreon. Uh, the music community is, has actually been kind of waking up to it over the last uh-huh. year or two. And what's interesting about Patreon, it was actually started by a guy named Jack Conti, and he is a musician. He's got a band called Pumplemousse. And um, so although Patreon was you know their their um company was not so much focused on musicians it makes total sense for musicians so here i am at this point i'm about to launch this very kind of extensive patreon campaign in about a week uh and we've been preparing for it and it's been really really a whole lot of fun and i can't wait to i've been teasing it in my daily facebook lives i've been saying oh i'm gonna be kind of leaving you all here and going somewhere else (laughs) well today with you my friend i'm announcing that the somewhere else that i'm gonna go is to patreon um so it's really really exciting What's it going to feel like? What's what's the experience going to be like for people and how does it work? I know a little bit about Patreon, but not a lot. So you've got Dream Theater fans, you've got Jordan Rudis fans, you have music fans in general. What, what are, what's going to be available to them and how is it going to work exactly? So the way that it works is you set up tiers. And, you know, one of the things I've, I've been thinking about is here I am at home and I've got, you know, so much energy to create music. And of course, I'm going to work on my solo material and interesting things. And by starting this Patreon campaign, it's going to kind of allow me and just make it even more possible for me to dive into these projects and get the support of the fans. So what I did is we put together um, a few different levels or tiers, as they call them. Um, for instance, the first level, the, the, um, the tier number one is called the listening room. 
right? And right. so in the listening room, basically what's going to happen is that's where my live streams are going to go to, right? So anybody who wants to hear me play live, and I'll be playing live all the time, like I do, they're going to go to the um, – they're going to go into Patreon. There is a service called Crowdcast, which links directly to Patreon. And I can kind of make sure those Patreon tier one, uh, you know, people always get the announcements that I'm going to be playing. So they'll get, the, they'll get all my live streams. They'll get an exclusive private Instagram and I'm setting up a Facebook group for them. And so it's just a great way to kind of just, you know, know that you're going to be there. You're going to be in my world. The second tier um, is more about learning. Uh, and that's going to be, um, that's going to be my educational side. Basically, I'm going to be doing a monthly lesson. Uh, I'll be offering a monthly musical passage for people to learn and then discussing it once a month uh, on a live chat. And so anybody who's in that will get a transcription of the monthly passage. Wow. Uh, and they'll also get to, uh, and they'll also get to, you know, be part of the private Instagram and Facebook group as well. So again, people are going to get to experience you in ways they haven't been able to before. You're going to, it's, it's a much more intimate experience, I guess. It really is going to be so cool. It is. I'm going to be able to engage in a way, even though I'm like into social media, I enjoy it and I've been doing it. This allows me to do it in a way that's just going to be the best for the fans and the best for me. What do you think? I mean, what is it? In terms of your day to day now, will you be sort of putting most of your stuff into in Patreon? It seems like that would make sense where you can start organizing differently, you know, and just prioritizing it, not just putting stuff out on Facebook, but sort of zeroing in on people that want to be part of Patreon, right? Yeah, it's going to really give a focus to my projects. Um, like the, as an example, I just started to dive into this project that people are going to learn all about once the Patreon campaign launches. Uh, in a week, um, which is I'm I'm taking classical music and I'm kind of Jordanizing the music. Um, uh, I started with a Chopin piece and I turned it kind of into this rock prog electronic thing. And I'm thinking this is going to be so cool for the Patreon supporters to be involved with because. It's something that I've wanted to do, but because of this idea of getting people behind it, it's something that's going to make it that much more possible and that much more fun. So I'll be able to be in the studio continuing to work on this. I want to make videos as well of this stuff. So every tune that comes out, I'm also going to make a really cool video with my, um, you know, my friends who uh, can support me on that level. So we're actually making the first video right as we speak, which is going to be really cool. Wow. So, and then the, you know, and then is the educational side, which I always do anyway. But pay, the Patreon campaign is going to give it a real focus. Um, you know, I'm committing to doing, like I said, you know, monthly live chat with the with the uh, educational tier, um, and a, and a lesson and a transcription, and it's just going to organize my mind and organize my activities. Uh, and it's all going to be focused through Patreon. Not to say that I wouldn't, you know, post something on Facebook or Instagram. I will, but I'm going to, you know, really direct people to the Patreon space where where it's going to be a little bit, you know, more serious, shall we say? Are there are there artists that you're familiar with, Jordan, that, that have used Patreon to the degree that you are, or is what you're doing, you know, sort of unique? I know there are different levels, and I've seen some artists, some musicians that have kind of basic packages where you get kind of a peek behind the curtain, but but you're Yours seems more in depth. Is anybody else doing this to the level that you are that you're aware of? Well, I mean, you have people like Amanda Palmer that are like, you know, she's like the Patreon queen. And she's like, she's, if you really want to know what's possible with Patreon and the whole spirit of it, you know, you can check out her world. She does it in a way that's, that's very, very unique. Mm -hmm. um, you've got, you know, Ben Folds who is a Patreon person who obviously enjoys it so much. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got the guy who started Jack Conti, who's got Pomplemousse, which is very, uh, you know, popular. They do so well, uh, you know, on, on that system. Um, there's a lot of different, a lot of different people, a lot of artists, but I think it's the kind of thing that over, we're going to see over the next you know, a couple of years that more and more musicians are turning to Patreon because the system just really makes sense. 
Well, also, you know, on a practical level, the fact that touring has been, you know, basically, you know, it's, it's evaporated for the next year, at least, at least it feels that way today. You know, on a practical level, this is still a chance for you to keep your performance chops up to, you know, I know you like interactivity um, with, with people. So there's certainly that. Um, there's a monetary component, obviously, so that's good. So I think from a timing standpoint, it's actually right now is a good chance, you know, a good opportunity to do something like this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the reality is that, you know, we don't know when touring is going to pick up again. I mean, it will, there's no doubt, but will it start in like January, maybe the very earliest it could possibly start? Or are we going to really wait, as some people are saying, are we, is it going to, you know, hold off until like next September? Right. It could be, you know, if it's, a, if it's more than a year from now, I don't mean this coming September. I mean, no, the next I know. One. So, and for, for a band like Dream Theater, where it's not just about big theaters, it's a, you've got festivals, which are obviously going to take maybe longer to get to those, right? So right, right, yeah. it just trickles I, I, down I, on so many levels. Yeah. I mean, let's hope that it all comes around pretty quickly, but we don't know that it is. Right. And, and honestly, even if it, I mean, and I'm hoping that, you know, we'll be back on the road and doing stuff soon, but even so, it's not going to be for a while. And I'm personally always busy doing my own projects. Sure. You know, I did my Wired for Mad album and I was I'm planning to do the next one or you know I need the way that I express myself is through music and I do a lot of different kinds of music so for me you know this that's one of the reasons that social media and the Patreon thing just totally makes you know a lot of sense you know I don't know if you're familiar Jordan but I, I know we both share um an interest in, in, uh, in the music of Todd Rundgren. And I think it was, it was the early nineties, early to mid nineties. He started a thing on his own called uh, Patronet and Patronet was this kind of subscriber based service where fans could, um, you know, buy in, pay a you know monthly fee or whatever. And they would get pieces of songs in progress. They would get videos and greetings. And it's interesting that Todd, I thought, was really ahead of the curve. He did it for, for a number of years and then it went away. But I think it was, a you know, he was always, you know, visionary on a lot of levels because now I think with, with Patreon, you kind of see that it's, it's obviously evolved a lot. But that idea of making connection with fans that allows them to experience things just on a much deeper and more personal level. Um, it's, that's what this feels like today is just, it's, it's, again, it's evolved, but it just provides a lot of special opportunities for people to climb inside your world. Yeah, absolutely. That's so interesting to hear about Todd. And of course he is, has always been a forward thinker. Um, but you know, what's interesting to see is that the music community, just the way that, well, people have to move fast. You know, one of the, one of the, um, in some ways, funny things to me, not so funny because it's serious, um, is that. You know, now musicians are working quickly to figure out what they can do to, um, you know, to keep on playing and to, uh, you know, earn a living. And they're almost forced to discover a lot of the online possibilities, whether it's, you know, people who have, you know, never taught before or they have, but they don't, haven't done it much. But now they have to spend more time teaching and what kind of platforms are the best ways to, uh, you know, to do that. I mean, you know, I get emails every day from like startup companies that are putting together systems for, um, you know, for musicians to basically survive. And also at the same time as these new companies are coming about, you also have companies that have been around for a long time that didn't get that much notice that are all of a sudden turning into a big deal. Like an example of that is a company called Stage It that I think I tried that system about three years ago because I was really interested when they, when they started the service to understand what it was. And I used it and I thought it was really cool, but I didn't really have a need for it so much uh, at that point in time. And actually, <laughs> when I rediscovered it and I looked at it, I went to their page you, you know, years later and I saw in my pictures on the front page of their, wow. <laughs> of their service. Well, you were always ahead of a lot of stuff too, obviously. So, so far ahead of it that I forgot that I was (laughs) done it, but, um, but a company like stage it, that's important, you know, like, uh, musicians are gonna, 
need to do online stuff and they want to play online concerts, you know, how it'll work out and if they'll really be able to, um, you know, monetize in a way that, that keeps things going. We don't know. And I just want to say something that came to mind. You were saying, you know, like when I did the live streams that music, you know, is so soothing and it's important and all that stuff, which is absolutely true. But then to think about it in terms of, you know, music in this situation with this virus is the last thing that's really going to come back. Live music. Yeah. The last thing that comes back. And so the fact that everybody needs it and the fact that it's so healing and the fact that it's really, you know, we all have to wait. And so basically everything else is open and then we'll be allowed to go to concerts. It's so it's so crazy, but it's reality. It is, but it is. And and what really gets me though, is that it's, it's, it's a weird juncture in time because it's a moment now when people are, especially young people are used to getting their music for free, right? That's Mm. become the new paradigm where it's all free. And a lot of you, and I mean, you specifically and many others have been offering stuff during this break for free, just out of the sort of kindness and as, as a gesture and all that, which has been amazing. I hope people realize though, that you still need to support music especially now and that everything can't be free you know it's like i almost feel guilty when i'll click on something and see a quarantine video that is absolutely amazing and you're like well what do we do to support this and it's just they're just doing it because you know well yeah because musicians want to play every everybody wants to listen to music everybody wants to play music it feels really good we want to do it but you know we do have this thing you know we're human beings we have to eat we have to support ourselves mm-hmm. and that's a reality so i mean you know you know let's be real i mean like i was doing the you know doing those facebook lives and every day i'm doing it for free and i love to play and i was enjoying it so much but at a certain point it's like okay well how long is this going to go on <laughs> oh, i got all my friends out there that need to make a living i can't be like continuing to give music away for free because on from you know on one hand that's sending the wrong message out to people so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, you do it to a point and it, and it does it, it again, it provides re- amazing relief and comfort, but Absolutely. again, it's like, I just hope people realize that at a certain point, yeah. you know, if you, if you've enjoyed that, you know, these tastes and everything that you've got to remember, people would have been spending money on concerts and, and merchandise and all that. So I think there's going to be some income there that people in their brain have kind of designated toward music and the arts. I hope they remember there's still ways like the, the service, you know, the project you're starting with Patreon to, yeah. to still support it. There's still a yeah. way. I mean, yeah, totally. And, you know, Patreon, cool. Patreon is interesting because every artist does their own that you can choose your own levels. So just, you know, just to get some perspective. So what I decided for this listening level, listening room where you basically get, you know, front row seats to all my musical live streams. And again, I'm going to be playing all the time. So that's five dollars a month. Right, uh-huh. so you pay five dollars a month. So what is that? It's like a wow. cup of coffee or something. Yeah, like right. That. Exactly. It's nothing, but you know, but it's important. It's an important thing. Not not just for me. I mean, yeah, it'll help me. But just as a concept, you want to support the artist, and it's not so hard to do that. And then right. a platform like Patreon makes it possible to you know to engage and support and just be part of it. God, that's nothing. That's amazing. I know that's kind of the entry, but still, what you probably get for that is way more than than five dollars worth. But 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 again, that's the the thing people can be doing. Jordan, what what will be the best way for people in a week or so to find that link? Just basically follow you online, and you'll direct them. Is it to go to Patreon? What's the the best way to enable uh, that yeah. trigger for people? Well, I think that you know we're gonna be, or I'm gonna be broadcasting this in every way that I can. You know, when we pull the trigger, it's gonna be in the news certainly because you know for. Uh, one of the dream theater guys to be sure. launching a campaign like this, I think will be, will be news. It's going to be interesting of course. for the music community, but yeah, I'll, I'll put it out on my Facebook, on my Twitter, on my Instagram. I'll send a newsletter. I'll hopefully, you know, uh, have guys like you maybe write something about it you of know, course. And, we, and it can be spread around the media and then people will, uh, you know, we'll get the word out and we can, we can kick this thing off. Well, good. I mean, it's, uh, it, it matters. It's important knowing how you, you always go overboard. And I think whether it's on stage with dream theater or in your solo efforts, you always provide more 
than than people are expecting. You always exceed, I think, that that artistic level. So I have no doubt what you're doing on Patreon is going to be. You'll spoil the fans, I'm sure, absolutely. Mm, yes, and they'll be spoiled, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take another break here in a second. We've covered um, a lot of really cool stuff. I think for the for the third and final portion of our show, once we come back out of this commercial, we'll talk about um, what musical projects you're up to now. Um, what's happening with Dream Theater, you know, and anything you can share and some other things that are going on that I have some notes about here. So I'm speaking with Jordan Rudis, of course, from Dream Theater. In a week or so, his Patreon campaign launches. I hope everybody supports that. I'm Chris Epting. This is The Moment. In just a minute, we'll be back talking with Jordan about his upcoming musical ventures. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Chris Epting will be releasing the third edition of his best-selling baseball travel Bible, Roadside Baseball, in June 2019. Academy Award-nominated director Ken Burns said about Roadside Baseball, What a wonderful book. All the stations of the cross of our national pastime are here, big and small, telling and frivolous. I can imagine this book in the glove compartment of every true fan's car. A handy reference to this beloved game, no matter where in the country you are. The new edition features hundreds of new places to discover, more rare photos, stories, and trivia. It's everything you need to plan the baseball road trip of your dreams. Roadside Baseball, coming this June. Available for pre-order right now on Amazon.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america these days everyone is looking for information on staying young healthy and fit the voice america health and wellness network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you we talk about everything from diet fitness and aging to substance abuse personal growth mental health and much more learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives tune in to the voice america health and wellness network healthy living starts here listening to the moment with chris epting if you have a question or comment about our show please send an email to chris at chris that's chris at chris now back to the moment hey there thanks for joining me today my guest is jordan rudis uh from dream theater of course and a, a multitude of, uh, of other things as well jordan we've covered a lot so far in this hour what i want to get to now um in terms of the music, I mean, obviously, there's no touring. I'm not sure if you've been recording much, but as, as far as Dream Theater, what's the snapshot today of, of, of how you see the band? Um, you guys were on tour and this all went down, obviously. You'll be on tour again, I, I'm soon sure. But, but what's an interim like for a band like yours? How in touch is everybody? Is there much chatter amongst you guys as band members? What's sort of happening within, within the Dream Theater circle right now? Yeah, well, what's interesting is that the usual pattern of Dream Theater is that we'll do an extensive tour. And then after the tour is done, we'll come home and we'll have a bunch of time off before we go into the studio to record again. And usually in the time off, we really are just catching up with life. We, you know, honestly, one of the last things we want to do is like be talking to each other all the time because you get burnt <laughs> out. We, you know, we live together. It's right, like, right. We're a family. We, we're a bunch of, you know, guys that <laughs> we're on a bus together. <laughs> so, I mean, we like each other, but, you know, but uh, when we enough. get home after a whole bunch of touring, it's enough. So we kind of, we're 
you know, pretty much done with a substantial amount of touring. We didn't have that much left to go. I mean, we had an Asian, an important Asian and Australian leg. I mean, very important, especially to our fans in those places that didn't get to see us. But, um, you know, but the rest of the tour was done. So by the time we did get home and couldn't go back out again, we kind of felt like, okay, well, this is the break that we really needed because we were touring our asses off. We yeah. were, we done a lot of touring uh this last year so we're kind of in that mode uh you know where we're in our space and we're catching up with life we didn't expect to be locked in our spaces (laughs) you know but probably for most of us it's not that much different you know the way we're leading our lives is not that much different than what it was gonna be Mm -hmm. um of course you know at some point we have to emerge and we got to get this, you know, uh, this business going again. A lot of the conversations we've been having is kind of about what's going to happen. Where are things at? You know, checking in with the management, trying to understand, um, you know, what the, what the, the uh, playing field is like. Just today I was talking to my manager. We were discussing like when, what's the word in the industry? When are things going to happen? Mm-hmm. He was like, well, look, you know, I, it's, it's really hard to say. But he's already looking into, you know, tours, uh, you know, the not that distant future, just so if things do open up, we're not like the last ones, you know, oh, really? Right. So we're making plans, but we don't know. But nobody knows. So it's really scary. (laughs) And even for the most, you know, developed of groups, you know, like Dream Theater, it's scary because how does a band make money these days? Well, pretty much everybody knows bands make money when they tour, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, so yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's that whole side. So the dream theater thing, we're, we're good for a while because we were going to be home anyway. We need to record a new album, which we're going to probably do, you know, record sooner than we would have, but okay. But you know, that's another thing we would have done anyway. Sure. So we'll go in the studio, we'll record, and then it'll be time after that, you know, something's got to give. We don't know how it's going to go. At the same time as that, you know, we're all, all of us in the music community are looking for ways, things like how much can, how much recording can we do? You know, it's it's best to be in the studio. So, you know, there's a project that we've been wanting to do for a long time. And now that we have this much time, it looks like we're going to make happen, which is the liquid tension experiment, which has been something the fans have been asking for, for a long time, basically for uh, just over 20 years, they've been asking almost every day repeatedly to have another Liquid Tension Experiment album and for the old group to get back together again. So um, now, wow. I can tell you, now I can tell you that we are going to get back together again. It is going to happen uh, exactly when we're just looking at the schedules now and we'll figure it out. But so wait, just to be clear, you're talking Liquid Tension Experiment. So you're talking you, you're talking Mike Portnoy, you're talking John Petrucci and Tony Levin. Right. The four of you together again. Yeah. It's going to wow. happen. Yeah. Wow. So we're really excited about it because this is a perfect kind of like period of time to do that. And we all, uh, you know, we've been wanting to do it as much as other people have been wanting us to do it. We also have been wanting to do it because it's uh, it's a really great, fun project. And, you know, that you know because of all the... Um, you know, everything that happened around Mike Portnoy leaving the band and Mancini and everything, it wasn't always the best time to do it. And it's, you know, somewhat complicated on different levels. But, you know, hey, we're, this is over 20 years. Well, not just 20 years, but isn't it? I mean, to me, from your standpoint, that's also in terms of moments, that's a really important one because it sort of sets up you, your entree to dream theater, right? I mean, that... Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it really isn't so important because that's, you know, you weren't in the band yet and it's that project that seems to have made it all possible. Is that how you look at it? Absolutely. That was the opening. You know, I was asked to join dream theater before. Yeah. A few years earlier. Everybody pretty much knows that story where I said no, but then I got a call from a representative of Portnoy. He was wanting to put together a quote unquote super group. Uh, And then, so I joined that and then John Petrucci also became part of it. Originally, I don't think he was going to be, but he became part of that and Tony. And for me, you know, an incredibly important uh, experience because I learned that I really had a chemistry uh, with John and Mike. We had a great time writing music together. And of course with Tony and Liquid Tension. 
So when I moved to Dream Theater, it was such a natural kind of transition. But the one thing about Liquid Tension, which was magical to me and also magical to the fans as well, is that unlike Dream Theater, Liquid Tension was kind of like a melting pot or like a, it was just a soup, you know, mm-hmm. of our different styles. So there was there was there were no constraints. There were no pre you know, conditions to ideas about what liquid tension was going to be. So it left it wide open for all different kinds of musical influences to come in. And it still will be, will be like that because that's what it was. I totally agree. I have to say, I think that group in particular, when you look at all the different things, all of you guys have done, you four musicians um, that comprise liquid tension, that one is really special. And and I think it's, um, it's because of what you said, there were no real rules it um, it was truly experimental, or it felt truly experimental, but it just allowed each of you, you know, each guy, you know, so proficient and such a, a leader in his own category. You know, before that became really a thing in vogue. I mean, you guys did that a long time ago. I think it actually influenced a lot of other get-togethers like that. But that project in particular, yeah. I thought was it still still sounds very groundbreaking. Yeah, you know, an interesting thing when you look back at the liquid tension material, it's that you know about half of it was improvised, <laughs> totally improvised. And the other half was, you know, composed. But <laughs> it's crazy to think about, you know. What's the, do you have any sense of timeline, at, even a rough timeline of when that might snap together? Well, sometime this summer I'm, I'm predicting, although we don't have a definite, you know. Wow. So soon. Time. I mean, this is, I mean, we're in summer now in, in mid-June. So you're literally in the next month or two, you, you, you think you'll be either in a studio or sharing tracks or whatever, but getting together the next uh, yeah, LTE it, album. Yeah, it looks like it's going to start up. I mean, no promises exactly because mm-hmm. it's not nailed down in stone as far right. as when we're going in. But yeah, I mean, in this period of time, basically, we're you know, trying to figure out when to get together and when to do this. And we're all really looking forward to it. Did, did that happen? Did, was there talk about that before the whole coronavirus thing or did it happen as a result within the coronavirus thing? Um, there was a little bit of talk about it before, but then all of a sudden, you know, schedules open up and you go, okay, well, I'm not on the road. Well, I'm not on the road. <laughs> Maybe it's a good time to get this done. <laughs> you know, so it's just the stars have kind of aligned to make it happen. Well, that's, you know, I mean, that, that's really exciting. I think, again, I think fans, of course, I think the original fans are going to be thrilled, but, you know, what you'll produce will no doubt bring in a whole new crop of people because, again, the music, it, it's, it comes at you from so many different places yeah, yeah. Um, uh, right i mean if i was if I, and if i was s- smart or if i had enough time or patience i'd probably go through the 60 days that i facebooked live and streamed and improvised i probably have about five liquid tension albums <laughs> my part of the writing i'm sure i do but knowing me that you know <laughs> unless i hire somebody to go through can you please take out all the cool spots you know and, and send them to me it's, it's probably just it's you know it's easier for me to walk over to the keyboard and just start playing something else you know well that's that's really big news man i i am so excited to hear i mean there's been little rumblings here and there but to hear you lay it out uh as, as definitive as you can obviously without having anything signed or, or, or written in stone yeah, it right. sure that's it sounds true. like you guys are talking very seriously about it and have at least some sort of plan for it so that is amazing exactly. yeah yeah i agree i'm really excited i'm thrilled a lot, a lot that, of, even in these hard times, there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's a balance. There's a lot of good things. Well, it is. But, but I think what's also going to be interesting is that, obviously, since you did the first Liquid Tension album, you mentioned, you know, Mike Portnoy leaving uh, Dream Theater and stuff. So there's, there are these other layers that didn't exist before. So in a sense, just the fact that you all are back in a space making music together, you know, at least you and John and Mike, that that alone is newsworthy and certainly um, will be something to celebrate for a lot of people because, again, no matter what was what may have been true or not true written in the press and stuff, there was a lot of tension, a lot of drama. Right. And so here's an opportunity musically to come together and and just do what you do and not worry about the stuff that, you know, that might have been the chatter that you would see online, but just focus yeah, yeah, on the yeah. music. Right. Yeah, because this, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and many people out there know that I did the um, the cruise to the edge. I joined Mike Portnoy and right. did the whole instrumental medley thing. Uh, what was it like at this point? A couple of years ago. Uh-huh. And, uh, and that was great fun. You know, like Mike, 
you know, as you mentioned before, I mean, the, the liquid tension and joining those guys was such an important thing to my musical life. And Mike and always, Mike and I always had a very strong kind of musical camaraderie where we just like a lot of, we have a very broad kind of view and broad taste in music where we like Zappa, but we like the Beatles, but we like King Crimson, but right. You know, weird stuff and you know a lot of times when I, when we were working together through the years i'd play something really you know very like strange or proggy and he'd go i love that and i'm going like wow you really get that and he'd be like yeah man that's cool i go right right on like great so you know that's important there's a lot to that and well so- not just that but you know when you talk about things like patreon and, and, and cameo and things i also think that you and mike portnoy also shared um, I I'm, I'm might be wrong, but it seems like the, the idea of connection, the idea of bringing fans in, of, of embracing them in a way that lets them experience things on another level, of all the guys in Dream Theater, anyhow, you two guys always seemed like you were on a similar par with that. Yes, that's true. We always, Mike and I, I remember now doing a lot of YouTube videos yeah. <laughs> backstage, we'd be having fun, and yeah, so there's definitely that camaraderie that that always existed. Yeah, and it's good to hear. And again, now that you, if, if look retention happens like this, again, there's, there's another thing to look for, which is you guys just being back together making music. And then no doubt it will, of course, get people talking about other expectations, but you can't control that. You can just go in there and make music, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I know we're, we're getting kind of near near our closing time, but I wanted, to, I wanted to say something that came to mind, which was that, you know, there's so many changes going on in all of our lives and we're all, even if you're, you know, you still have your business going, you know, you know, people that have been so directly affected by this that you can't avoid it. And it's an opportunity on the positive side. It's an opportunity for everyone to kind of rethink. It's like the Mm -hmm. moment to look at your life and go, okay, here I am. Where do I want to be? You know, like all Mm -hmm. this is happening how do I want to take this in? What do I want to do with it? Whether, you know, one guy like says, okay, well, I'm going to use this time to get in really great shape and, you know, really come out of this, like looking good. Or right. Tradition says, you know, I haven't really sat down and practiced my uh, scales and arpeggios for a long time, but I got time to do that. Those kind of things. I mean, there's a lot of growing that can be done in this period of time, even though I'm not saying it's not, you know, going to be painful and that there's not a no, lot of, of hardships, but I am saying that, you know, we have the choice of how we want to look at things. And it's really important in this very unique moment to look at them in a way where you can come out of it, you know, that much more positive, that much better. Well, Jordan, I think that's that's our closing note there, that sense of self-reflection and uh, thinking about what we can do. Uh, this hour flew by, my friend. I really appreciate you hanging out with me like this. And uh, we'll have to do it again soon if you're up for it. Absolutely. Anytime. Jordan Rudis, check out his new Patreon site coming up in a week. And uh, hopefully, Liquid Tension Experiment later this summer or into the fall when it's done. I'm Chris Epting. This has been The Moment. Thank you for joining me, and I will be back right here next week. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you for taking a moment out of your busy week to join us for The Moment. Be sure to join Chris Epting for another edition every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.